Open the gates and ready to go for the Monday edition of Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow here, 6th and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And our location's also across the great radio network that you're listening right now. And at YouTube and Outkick.com. We hope to subscribe while you're there to all of the shows through one channel. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for a big start to a big week. Yeah, we've got uh, Dan Dockage coming on in roughly 20 minutes, host of Don't At Me across the Outkick network. A lot to hit with the NFL draft, NBA playoffs, and more. SEC Mike, Michael Bratton, will join us in hour number two. A lot of the uh, spring games have taken place across the Southeastern Conference. Quarterback decisions, veterans returning, and roster battles. We'll get into that, plus new coaches making some debuts to their fan bases. SEC Mike joins us in hour two. And friend of the show, Tim Brando, uh, rejoins us in hour three. Joins us throughout the NCAA tournament, but he worked with Tony Potato, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, and we'll dive into his days at CBS and the tie-ins with the Big Ten commish. Looking forward to that. Chad, we have a new highest-paid player in NFL history. His we do. name is Jalen Hurts. We do indeed. And also, by the way, on, on Brando joining us later, yeah. can't wait to ask him about the relationship between Jim Nance and Tony Romo and in-booth mm. chemistry. Not that he can get specific about their relationship, but just in general. If he can tell. How that can work, good and bad, right? From someone who's been with a lot of different broadcast partners over the years. So we'll get into that from that perspective yeah. of can he tell, but also why wait so long if you're Jim Nance to dispel those rumors? All, all factors in that. Can't wait to talk to him later. So, yeah, that's, that's coming up in hour number three today. The uh, Eagles and Jalen Hurts have uh, announced that, well, they have their quarterback for five more years, highest paid player in NFL history. $179 million is guaranteed. It's a $255 million extension on a five-year contract, and the average annual value, $51 million. Up next, though, of course, the big three, as I'll refer to them as, with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and we're going to see Lamar Jackson paid somewhere and by someone. The Ravens... They should step up and do something similar to what we're looking at right here and see what happens because it seems as though Burrow and Herbert are also going to play ball, quote-unquote, with their teams, respectively. But also throw in the fact that we're waiting on Rodgers, who got paid 50 last year, scheduled to make 60 in Green Bay, and he's about to be traded to New York that desperately needs their veteran quarterback. Chad, we're about to see the windfall of money for the QBs. And at some point, Lamar Jackson either sits out or decides he's going to play for what these guys, the best in the league, are playing for. And then, oh, by the way, in a year or so, we'll see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen get a restructure, and then they'll become the new highest-paid player in the NFL because it's going to be going to the top quarterbacks after the other quarterbacks either catch them or surpass them in total uh, annual average uh, value, what we're seeing. So... I great job by Jalen Hurts. It's crazy to think of where he was in 2019 to where he is now as the highest paid player in the league. Yeah, and you know, second round pick, 
all, all those things. Like to see success that way. Hard earned for for Jalen Hurts. Benched in the title game. Definitely, yeah. And then transferred and had success at separate place at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. You like to see success stories like this. Yeah. And he certainly earned it. I think what this also shows us is what I believe for a while. This is the league saying that the Browns' contract with Deshaun Watson is an outlier, and uh, I think that's you know exactly what I thought with Lamar Jackson that he was going to learn. Now you're right, Hutton. The trio, though, this is the first step, right? But we've well, got two big ones coming up. But keep in mind what Lamar Jackson turned down in August: one thirty-one guaranteed. Jalen Hurts just got fifty more million guaranteed. And Lamar still not signed the contract extension. Well, how much did Deshaun Watson get guaranteed? Well, two fifty. Yeah, but <laughs> that's my point. Is that Lamar what, Jackson? I think initially went into it. Now he he has since cooled on that. But I do believe he went into it thinking I'm going to get Deshaun Watson money. And I understand that if you look at it as Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. But the problem is it's the league versus the Browns who were desperate and did a dumb thing. Because they thought they had to do that dumb thing in order to get Deshaun Watson. And it looks like they probably did for him to agree to play there. So that's what we're starting to see now is the counterbalance of the rest of the league saying, that's not the market, this is the market. And Lamar Jackson's going to fall around that. He's going to fall, probably get more than that by someone eventually. But it's not going to be Deshaun Watson money. And we, we now see what happens between Burrow and Herbert. And that will reset the bar for the next guy. You know, Hertz goes first, and then who is next after that? And then also, like, what's what's Rogers going to get in New York? You know, yeah, for this year, and then what's the paid next year if he comes decides to come back? And we go through this whole cycle again with him. We're far from done with the quarterback news, but for today, he's the highest paid player for average annual value, and a great job by him, and a great job by the Philadelphia Eagles investing around him. I mean, they went through a season last year where it was tough to find a weakness on their starting roster on either side of the football. Really difficult to pull off. Now, they've lost some of those guys, but they've also, I mean, they had to release some guys for salary cup, uh, salary cap situations, but then got them back under the cap on restructured contracts, new contracts. The Eagles are sitting pretty. And they've got their quarterback long-term. They've got their leader and I thought Hertz did a great job last year, even in, you know, some it, during the wins, they start out just on this long winning streak. And he's acting like, look, that we can't focus on this number that everyone is trying to say that is, is some big deal. We haven't accomplished anything yet. And I still think he would say that based on how things went down in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's he was going to win the MVP had he not gotten hurt in the season. I, I think so. I mean, I, I look at that and think, this is the guy you invest in. And to know that you're going to have – somewhat of a nucleus, starting with your quarterback, yeah. locked in for, for a bit on offense. This is the Eagles. This is not just the Eagles saying, hey, great job, Jalen. You've earned it. You know, you weren't a first-round pick to start, but you've built it up, and now you're a franchise guy. This is the Eagles making a calculated football decision to say, this is the guy who's going to win a Super Bowl for us. He's already won the NFC, had a chance, a good chance of winning the Super Bowl a year ago. He's going to win one in his time here. That's what the Eagles are saying, and when I look at the roster around him, I completely agree with them. This is a team that's built to win it, to get back. I know it's not easy, but they're built to get back and to win it all with Jalen Hurts. So good for them. Chad, are we going to see Jordan Spieth 
uh, get back to the winning ways. He missed two putts in the playoff yesterday against Matt Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick wins on the course he grew up playing. And meanwhile, you've got Spieth who misses on two putts that were nearly identical on back-to-back holes in the playoff and what was a fun-filled and drama-packed finish to the RBC. So, you know, when your parents, when you know they're really mad at you and they've reached the point of not just anger and they say, you know, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yes. And that's the most crushing blow that a parent can, can give you. Well, I, I've got a message for Jordan Spieth because no one in the golf world will say it because they're all too nice and the game is treated with a lot of respect and it's very difficult and there's not a lot of people that win a major, much less multiple majors, so they won't say it about Jordan Spieth. But I'll say it right now. Jordan, I'm not mad, but you are a disappointment. You are. You won 10 tournaments between 2015 and 2017. There was an imperial era of your career at a very young age. 10 tournaments, three majors. Since that time, you've won two tournaments, none of which are a major, in six years. You won this tournament a year ago. And what I see way more now of Jordan Spieth is a choker than a guy who is clutch. And I see a guy who loves to blame the break in the green or his putter or throws his hat or drops his club when he misses a a putt and he wants to blame the universe and not blame himself. And since the golf world won't say it, I'll say it. It's disappointing to see Jordan Spieth this way. When he was at that age winning majors, I'm thinking this is a guy who could be Tiger Woods. The start he got off to, the tear he was on. He won a tournament in 2013. He finished second at the Masters in 2014. Blew a lead in that one. 2015, he wins it. Then he wins two of the next three majors. And since then, virtually nothing from Jordan Spieth. He's still 29 years old. He's a great golfer. I love the guy. I root for him in tournaments. Hell, I was rooting for him yesterday to win it. And I watched the end of that tournament. I'm thinking, knock down one of these. The door is wide open for you to hit a big putt and to win a tournament. And he choked on both of them. Missed both putts. Matt Fitzpatrick, a younger guy, looked to me like the more clutch golfer in that situation. He hit the big shot on the fourth playoff hole to put it right up next to the cup and tap it in for the win. Jordan Spieth is a disappointment. Ever since that run from 2015 to 2017, I hope he can get it back. There's still plenty of time. He's only 29 years old. Not sure that he's going to. So you want, you, you're saying from the, just from the run perspective, because, I mean, he did chase down Fitzpatrick, and then he did have the two putts where if he hits either of them, they're winning. And then the third playoff hole, he ends up giving it to Fitzpatrick on that tap-in. But what a shot to finish it off by Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it, well, what I'm saying, this is not just about one tournament with me with Jordan what Spieth. A, if you would have told me, Hutton, in 2017 when he had the three majors, that over the next six years he would win two golf tournaments and zero majors, I would have slapped you in the face and said you're insane. The way he was golfing they, at that point. Yeah, and then you know Kepka went through the same issues, um, although Kepka was pointing to the injuries. Um, the difference is Kepka bolted yeah. and Spieth didn't. And I, I like the rivalries, the, the friendly rivalry that they have between Spieth and Justin Thomas. Uh, Spieth's a, a, a big reason why the PGA Tour can point to what they had yesterday following what we saw at the Masters with the two 
with the, the two players atop the, the live tour and atop the leaderboard at Augusta with Mickelson and Kepka, and then still seeing John Rahm win and, and seeing the, the other storylines play out in the PGA's favor. Same thing yesterday with the drama that we saw. And um, on top of that, they get Spieth, and they also are able to make another young star in Fitzpatrick. It's a, it's a great job by the PGA Tour of investing in their young talent. And Spieth is far from done, the way I see it. I, I hope not. I mean, I mean he's 17 he's... under. It's hard for me to say that, you know, he's a failure. Yesterday, uh, he failed. I mean, you got to well, win. Failed, but you got to win failure. golf tournaments, and this is what we get into every time. And Alib on YouTube is saying Chad putting Spieth on blast. Does Chad even golf? No, I also can't play in the NBA or the NFL. But it doesn't <laughs> stop us from criticizing those who fail. Like at some point, if Jordan Spieth was being honest, he won't say this because no one in golf will call it what it is. Spieth zero majors after winning three in a year and a half. And two tournaments won in six years. That is a failure for a guy who looked like he was going to be the next Jack at one point in his career. He's still young. I'm not calling him. I'm not burying him forever. I hope he has another 2015 to 2017 run at some point. I'm a fan of Jordan Spieth. Hell, I bet on him yesterday to start the, start the day. I was feeling really good about it when he was up two strokes with three holes left. And he blew it. And he had two putts under 10 feet to win it. And he missed both. The best thing Jordan Spieth did yesterday was tell that crowd to shut the hell up when they started chanting USA, USA after Matt Fitzpatrick missed a putt that should have been the end of the match. It should have been the end of the playoff because Spieth should have hit the the putt under 10 feet after that to win it. And he quieted the crowd to stop with a disrespect on Fitzpatrick and then proceeded to miss the next putt. And Fitzpatrick won. He hit the big shot. That's what I'm saying. I'm still a fan of the guy. But you got to win some golf tournaments at some point. More than two in six years for a guy who looked like he was on his way to being one of the best in the game. Golf has this weird way, and I get that it's hard. Trust me. I understand that it's hard, and there's a lot of people playing. But it's weird how we're afraid to call someone what they are at times. This has been a disappointing stretch for Jordan Speed. Disappointing, but he's not a failure. I mean, if he's not John Rahm or, or, or Scotty Scheffler right now, no he, one's winning multiple the way you're holding him to. He and he is can a, certainly do it again. He is not a failure. He is a disappointment, as I open my rant with. He is a disappointment. Three in two years, zero in six years, he is a disappointment to American golf. I thought we were going to have a guy that we were going to watch win a ton of majors in his career, and he has not lived up to that hype after a great start. It looks more like a fluke over two years than someone who's going to have sustained major success. Maybe so. Few and far between, though, to see the runs that we've seen him have. Um, and the success story of Tiger is, is one we're not going to see again on that stretch for the full career that we saw, the full dominance. Well, I, I don't think so either, but we'll see. You know, with, with Jack, we probably got, got out of the Jack era saying we're not going to see anything close to that, and then Tiger yeah. reached it. When Jordan Tiger was done, I like thought strokes. we're never going to see you know another Jordan, and then LeBron James breaks the scoring record, and there's actually an argument to be made that he might be better. All I'm saying is, 2017, I'm thinking Jordan Spieth is it. I am fully bought in. This guy is clutch. This guy has every piece of the game that you need, and he's won twice on tour in six years. Disappointing. Very disappointing. 
They're, <laughs> they're so. I'm thinking back of the of the full swing, and just how uh, mentally challenging those guys make it out to be. And I'm sure it is. Oh, I'm sure. But like the the fact to get back to the point where you missed the two putts that Spieth did, and knowing like on the flight back or you know whatever Justin Thomas is acting like, you know how how'd you do? What happened? Knowing that he had that for the win and he's that close. Oh. And also also knowing like the way that the second nine was going on Sunday the previous week, that if Rom slips up at all, he's in the mix there. Because he falls back to or if he falls forward into what the leaderboard looked like with Mickelson and Spieth, where Spieth admitted he was just trying to go shot for shot with Phil. Hit us yeah. up with your thoughts in the chat. I'll yeah, kick on we're getting YouTube. a lot of, we're getting a lot of thoughts on it, which I love. Um I'll say this watching full swing. Spieth seems like the more the the mentally dominant golfer between him and Thomas in that relationship. Oh yeah, because he's won. Best he's actually won tournaments that they're flying to. Yeah. Now Thomas has won a major. You know, that shows right. that on the in the doc he got finally got his major championship. But I'm saying just watching them practice against each other, I feel like, boy, this is the Spieth swagger that we saw six years ago. When he was winning majors. Not a lot since then. Dan Dockett joins us. We'll dive into the NBA playoffs, the injuries, and the impact that we'll see moving forward through this first round. And we'll also get his thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. Coming up, we'll talk NFL draft. But first, we say hello to Dan Dockich on Hot Mike. Hunting with Roe here in Nashville. And Dan's there in Indianapolis, host of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Dan, hope things are well. And curious how much NBA playoff drama you watched unfold over the weekend. Oh, man, I was in Vegas creating my own drama on the golf course. Playing nice. about 70 holes. <laughs> and uh, was having dinner with a high school buddy of mine who went with us on his trip. And we're sitting in a restaurant. It's not a bar. We're at the bar, but it's kind of a nice place right in the Mirage. And the whole restaurant, this was fascinating, Jonathan. The sound obviously wasn't on. There was TV over here playing the, the, uh, the Kings and the Warriors. And the TV over here with the UFC fight, which was a really good fight. But because of the game, because of the back and forth, making buckets, going like the entire place, this, this bar area, every shot was met with a yeah or an oh. You know, it was like being in the sports book. It didn't start out that way, but it got that way because of how good that was. Um, I did see that. That's really the only game that I totally watched. Well, that in Cleveland, New York, Julius Randle, and, of course, Rick, all right, Rick Brunson's his dad. But Jalen Brunson, man, they're they're pretty good, and I don't know what the Mavericks were doing getting rid of Jalen Brunson. I, that's a, that's a bad move on uh, Mark Cuban and those fellows' part. It's really cool seeing a, a franchise like Sacramento has not been in the playoffs in 17 years come out of the gates like that. You know that not only is this oh it's a return to the postseason, but that was a wild atmosphere. You saw it from the the TV in the bar in Vegas, and I, I'm watching the fourth quarter of that, and it was nonstop noise. Pretty cool to see an atmosphere like that for an NBA game, Dan. You know, you guys know this. There are some places that you watch on TV that are dull. Like, I think the Lakers, Staples Center, however it's set up on TV, how, whatever it is, it looks dark around the edges and it looked dull. That place looked like 
Man, the Kings fans were right on top of everybody, including the Golden State Warriors. You know, you couldn't see the, excuse me, you couldn't hear the energy on television, but man, you could see it and you could feel it coming through the TV. And I got to tell you, they're going at 10 o'clock again tonight and I can't wait. I, I think one of the great things now, you know, however people feel about the NBA, but one of the great things that differentiates the NBA from college is the crowds, the home crowds. You know, these afternoon games on Thursdays and Fridays in the NCAA tournament, while we like them, uh, they don't have the crowds. These home crowds are insane. And frankly, here in Indy, uh, it, it was one of the great things in the spring. You know, this time of year, you go downtown, or when I was doing a show, you have a beer after, then you go to the game. It's just a great vibe in the city. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a ton of fun so far. How about Austin Reeves, Dan? He's, he's picking up dry cleaning and doing things uh, prior to the season beginning for the Lakers. He's a two-way contract player, and then here he is starting and putting up 14 in the fourth to help the Lakers beat the Grizzlies. Yeah, he started looking like Pete Maravich, right? I mean, he, he, he looked like that, that Robbie Benson movie, one-on-one, where he got a chance, and next thing you know, he's killing You know what's interesting? People always ask me, well, can this guy make it in the NBA? Or is this guy going to make it? Is that guy going to make it? I always say the same thing. These guys are so good. What you need is an opportunity with the right team. My son's roommate, Duncan Robinson, in college, you know, signed a massive deal. Nobody thought he was going to play in the NBA. Next thing you know, right place, right time. Uh, He's going to have to play now because Tyler Hero is hurt. But, you know, Austin Reeves is a perfect example of that guy, a basketball-loving guy, Wichita State to Oklahoma. Next thing you know, he goes to camp, signs a two-way, but he just needed an opportunity on the right team. You know, I think Steve Kerr and Robert Ory are the poster children for that. I think Kerr has like five championships. Ory may have seven. You fit a particular team. You fit a particular group of guys. That's the thing about the NBA. I think we've talked about this before, but Brad Stevens, after about his third or fourth year, and I were talking, and he told me, he goes, you know, the thing I learned about the NBA is you got about 15 to 20 superstars, and everybody else is a role player. You can make hundreds of millions of dollars. You can make the NBA. You can make the Hall of Fame by being a role player. We've seen it with many guys. Just find your niche. Do what you do well. And Austin Reeves, not only is doing what he does well, but he's expanding. Hell, he was running the team down the stretch with LeBron James on his team. That's pretty good for a guy that, I don't know, went to Wichita State out of high school. Well, and LeBron said afterwards, he's like, look, uh, whenever he was just practicing with us as a two-way player, we could tell he had a very high basketball IQ, and he fits my game well, LeBron was saying. He was like that. So I knew he, if he got his opportunity – he could stick around more than just a two-way player. And I think you hit on it there. It's more than just getting your chance. It's about who you're on the floor with. And the fact you're on the floor with the Lakers and you're doing what he did, that shows that, you know, it, the fit does matter. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you play with Michael Jordan and you're Steve Kerr. You know, they always had a guy in that spot, right? Craig Hodges was the first guy. John Paxson, the next guy. Kerr was the next guy. You know, you, there's a spot. A particular spot, basketball like baseball, has it has become really analytics-driven. Well, what does that mean? That means we want to shoot from certain spots. We have to have a certain kind of guy who plays with our superstar. I can't have, you know, two guys like you know, Kyrie Irving and and Doncic. Did that work? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a small sample size, but the feel was no, it wasn't going to work. You know, what is the person, or how how do you have to play if you're around Kevin? 
Durant. You know, Kevin Durant likes to dribble the basketball. Well, guess what? He's got Chris Paul on his team. He likes to dribble the basketball. There's only one basketball, and there's 24 seconds to get rid of it. So it fit. I've always thought this. I've always thought general managers, and maybe it's LeBron James, but that have had LeBron James on their team have done a really good job of understanding LeBron James is a combination of Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, where he can go get his own, obviously, a ton. He can make you better, and let's fit the pieces around, around him. I mean, how many years did we see Matthew Della Dova or frickin' James Jones or uh, J.R. Smith hanging out, you know, always on LeBron James's team because they fit who he was, and that's what Reeves is. Crazy weekend of injuries the NBA playoffs. You had John Morant with the hand injury. Tyler Hero breaks his hand. Giannis also injured. Both John Morant and Giannis injured on plays involving a charge being taken close to the basket. Mark Cuban, which I laugh because Mark Cuban was just fined $750,000 by the league, but not going to stop him from offering advice on what the league should do. And these things says they need to move the circle out further away from the basket on charges, and it could eliminate some of these injuries. What do you think about that proposal, Dan? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, Mark's pretty smart. I mean, he says things and people say no, and then all of a sudden they realize, well, he's pretty smart. I would like to see some data on that. I think sometimes, you know, you, you can't legislate everything out of out of basketball. You know, I, I go back, and I think you guys know, 90s guys are knocking the heck out of each other going to the basket. And, you know, uh, guys came back and played. I, I think sometimes you get into fluke situations. I think sometimes things happen that no no rules are ever going to take a guy driving to the basket and getting knocked down and how he lands is going to determine whether or not he breaks a hand or a wrist or a finger or an elbow or whatever. I, I, I get what everybody's saying. You don't like to see the stars go down, and when the stars go down, you, you want to feel like you got to do something immediately. But I don't think, you know, if, if, that, if that works, and fine. I never really played in an era where you had that circle, so I don't know from a player standpoint, as a coach standpoint, the circle – made sense to me. It, it did. I mean, no, you don't need to take a charge under the basket. Uh, I'm not really sure, but Cuban is pretty smart. But I'll say this, it, it, it's hard to legislate. God dang, you got, if you ever go to an NBA game, the first thing that anybody says is, man, I didn't realize how big and fast these guys are. That's the first thing. I mean, I don't care who it is. If, the, if, if you haven't been to an NBA game in 10 years or you're going to your first one, you're like, man, and then you think, well, wait a second, how big is this court? Like, I think they ought to widen the court. I don't know if you can do that, but I think they ought to widen the court because you got you look at it, and I'm telling you, it looks to be like there's absolutely no room. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, I, I, I just don't think you can legislate. I get it, and particularly in Giannis. Reggie Miller said the dumbest thing. I got to get this in. Oh, yeah. Reggie Miller said losing hero is as bad for the or worse for the Heat than it is losing uh, the Greek freak for Milwaukee. I got to – what country are you in, man? What world do you live in when you think that? Because the Greek freaks team had no chance once he went out. Reggie loves the threes. Well, that feels like one – speaking of the, the court being too small, Dan, I'm with you. I don't know how they shoot corner threes at times in the NBA. They're so snugged up against the, the out-of-bounds line on that one. I feel like with Reggie, that was one where you're thinking, how do I make a point about Tyler Hero's injury being more significant than people think, and then just going too far with it and saying, oh, it's actually worse than Giannis being injured. That He went a little too far with that one. I'm with you. Yeah, that, that could be. The thing about, you know, thing about Hero is Hero, 
just a couple years ago, was splitting time with Duncan Robinson, and Duncan Robinson was kind of the star. So they, they put Duncan Robinson in there the other day, and he just drilled a three. Uh, I think he played like six, eight minutes. You'll see more of him, and it's not like they don't trust the guy. They gave the kid $92 million. So I don't know if you're replacing the Greek freak, brother. I, I, I don't see that bad boy happening. You're probably right. He went a little over with he went a little overboard with the emphasis of Tyler Hero. Dan Dockich with us on Hot Mike. Great Danny Dockich. You can hear weekday mornings here on Outkick with Don't At Me. To the NFL draft, where uh, it looks as though Bryce Young is not going to take any more pre-draft visits. Uh, reports are he's going to be the number one pick for the Carolina Panthers. Are they making the right call if, in fact, the report is accurate that they're going with Young? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I, I think everybody gets – you make excuses for why you like somebody or why you don't like somebody. And, you know, I think as you study, you, 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 they are going to be tied to the hip. I mean, it is it is a real opportunity for a guy to make a heck of a call like Polian with Manning. Um, or a guy make a horrible call, you know, like the guy in Chicago with Trubisky. I, I, you, you just got to look at it, and if you love him, take him. That's it, and, and stick by it. You know, there's a saying in coaching, if you listen to fans or media, you're going to end up sitting with fans and media. So you got to do what you think is right. And to me, the way the NFL is played, uh, Bryce Young seems to be the kind of quarterback that can win you a ton of games. And people say, well, you know, he's little. He might get hurt. Well, big guys get hurt, too. Lamar Jackson's a pretty big guy, and he gets hurt. Well, running quarterbacks get hurt. You're right. Uh, but, again, you, you, you try not to do things when you evaluate. When I recruited, I tried not to do things based on an if. Like, you want to know who the guy is. You want to see who the guy is. Can he go to class? Can he make baskets? Is he a good citizen? Can he do Not, well, you know, if he comes here, uh, he might not go to class because that's his M.O. If he comes here, he... You know, really hasn't shown that he, no, Bryce Young, I would assume, uh, character-wise, intelligence, all the stuff off the field, probably checks every box. He's a dynamic player. He's accurate passer. Uh, seems to fit the way the NFL is. Just teach him how to slide, for crying out loud. Teach him how to understand, like, sliding two yards short. There ain't nothing wrong with that if it keeps you in the game uh, for the next six weeks. Just figure that part out. So the Colts picking at fourth, they're in an, an intriguing spot. There's a lot of reports coming out about their love of Will Levis. Would, would they possibly trade up to make sure they get their guy if it's not Will Levis? And I have this question about it, Dan. I've been thinking about if they stay at four and the first three picks are Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. In that instance, let's talk about the fans a little bit, an expectation of what fans want with an NFL team. Do you think Colts fans would be more disappointed if they drafted Will Levis or if they passed on quarterback altogether and drafted someone else because they cool. don't love Will Levis or Hendon Hooker? That's a great question. And, be, and I'll tell you what, what makes that thing interesting is I, I, don't, I don't think, and again, I, I could be dead wrong, but I, I don't think the Colts are that in love with Will Levis. And I think one of the things that is happening in this draft uh, in, in Indianapolis are people starting to say, you know what? It kind of makes sense if you move back and maybe you can get Hendon Hooker and you can get a good defensive front guy. I mean, that, that a lot of people are talking about that. Now, to make that deal, you got to make that deal. You know what I'm saying? Two people have to be involved to make that deal. You're not just making a deal because fans say it. I think this, and, I, and I've said this, and I know you guys and I have talked about this. If you love Will Levis, then you take Will Levis, period. If you love, just take him. 
don't mess around. If it's Anthony Richardson and he's available, then you take him. There is should be, by this point, absolutely no guessing. And if you cannot move from four and you do not like whatever quarterback is left, let's say it's Levis, uh, then you don't take him. You don't listen to fans. Look, here's what the Colts have done. The Colts have taken a quarterback, not in the draft, but in free agency, and then tried to explain to us how good he is. Matt Ryan was coming off his worst year, and all I did was rail. I go, look, yeah, he was MVP, whatever. Go, yeah, he was up 28-3 in the Super Bowl, but that's in the past. This is last year. And then they tried, you know, through the indie media to tell us, well, he's the greatest leader. These fa- these teams are, or these players are so excited. Same thing with Carson Wentz. Yeah, well, you know, Frank Reich had him in Philadelphia. You don't take somebody and then have to explain it. If you know the guy's the guy and you're going to pay him a zillion dollars and he's going to be the face of your franchise, then you take the guy, you let the results fall, you don't need a propaganda machine. And, and that's been my biggest problem in Indianapolis with Ballard and the media. You're telling us you, t- you take him, you're paying him, that's enough. You don't have to sell him. It's all going to come out in a wash anyway. You're going to know whether the guy's good or whether the guy's bad, whether the team wins or whether the team doesn't. So my point being, if you don't like Levis, for God's sake, don't take him because, you know, some slap in social media with the Indianapolis Star is going to get out a column. Who cares? Take who you believe in, period. Don't worry about any of that. I wonder what Ursay does, though, if they don't get a quarterback at the top of the draft to what you're saying. Is that he hasn't been someone that is afraid to do the the you know the crazy line of thinking when it comes to paying a top quarterback. Look the money. I mean, I don't have to tell you anything, Dan. They've spent a ton of money on quarterbacks in the last six or seven years, and while they maybe keep a head coach or a GM uh, a year or two too long, normally he cuts his losses and moves on and pays another guy quickly. Yeah, I got to tell you, the, the Gardner Minshew thing is interesting because Gardner Minshew. You're talking about the fans and the quarterback. Gardner Minshew's always played well against the Colts. Like, so whenever you, th- you hear Gardner, Gardner Minshew, it's like, wait a second here. Some people are saying, we got our quarterback until we can get in a position. Well, you know, you're, in, you're number four. All right, you're number four. This is your time to take a quarterback. That's what I'm hearing Jimmy Ursay is saying. Make it happen. Basically, my, my guys that know Ursay are saying, look, okay, you play Gardner Minshew. What are we going to go, two and Two and 15, what do you want to go next year <laughs> to get in a better position, <laughs> you know? So you're sitting here at four. He's telling, this is, again, I, I don't I don't talk to Jimmy Ursay. I'm not in his meetings, but this is what I've been told by people that are rarely wrong. He's saying, look, I, how, if you draft, you know, in Indy, we'll protect you. The media will protect you. You draft back, let's say you get the ninth pick, you get Hendon Hooker. You're going to hear from all the Colts fans in the media. That's the guy we wanted anyway. We got the guy we wanted at nine, and we got another pick. You know, that kind of crap that we hear from every city, every draft. So I think Jimmy Ursay is pretty much saying move up, move down, move up, out, in, out, wherever, get a quarterback. That's what, that's what I'm hearing. There's no draft that will take place that wasn't exactly who uh, every team wanted. Just somehow it always works out that way <laughs> got our uh, at the post-draft press conference. But – Hey, just looking at that division where Trevor Lawrence now has playoff experience and C.J. Stroud, if you believe the reports, is going to be the new quarterback in Houston. If you start looking around and you see the young quarterback and then you look at the quarterback situation in the AFC, I don't know how you pass on a quarterback at four if you're Indy, Dan. 
Well, if you you better like him though. You be you you know you better you better like him. I, I don't either. I I think that if uh, if Richardson you believe in him and you yeah. think that Mitchell can be a stopgap and he's there, then that's what you do. If you think Levis, you know physically he looks great. He's got all the kind. If you you think he's you know Josh Allen, I guess I, then hey look make your move. I'm with you on it. Uh, when you look at the AFC, it's insane, and it's young. It's not old. It's not a bunch of old dudes getting ready to retire. I mean, Herbert hasn't even gotten started, it feels like. Burrow just jumped right in and continued doing his LSU things. You know Lamar Jackson, once he gets that thing figured out, is going to be just fine. So, And I mentioned Allen and, of course, Mahomes. I mean, it, it's insane. So you can sit there, and you can tell us here in Indy or, or you know, in your town, Hey, you know what? We got a great running back. That's great. We do. You do. You got a terrific running back. Derrick Henry's great. Jonathan Taylor's dynamic. That's it. But that ain't get, that, that ain't getting it done. So I'm with you on that. Uh, you know. But just honest to God, um, if you don't like him enough, don't take him. I mean, tr- hope to get Hooker moving moving some other way. You know what? Here's something. You know, I always hear these guys are considered great general managers uh, because of their draft. Well. All right, sometimes a draft falls in your lap. I get that. But other times, guys are pretty creative at getting, making moves that maybe we are not paying that much attention to. Now, we would pay attention to a fourth pick moving. And all of a sudden, coming up with some guys that really make your team better. That's the biggest fault of what the Colts have done. It's not the fact that they've had five head coaches or seven quarterbacks. They haven't made any moves that have made anybody better around them. And that's a bigger problem. Now, get the quarterback. You've paid money on quarterbacks. Go get them. But make sure you get some guys in there that can make a guy successful. That's kind of the, that's kind of the whole deal is we're going to have – when you put together a franchise or you put together a roster, you want to put together people that are in positions to help each other, uh, the best players. And it's exactly what we talked about LeBron James. You know, he's, he, they always put it together for him. They put together guys that are perfect fits for him. So you got to do the same thing with a quarterback and – at least, at least in Tennessee, you guys drafted that Burks kid number one after losing Brown. We drafted a third-round pick who's okay in whatever his name is, Pierce. But yeah, Alec you got to do that. Uh, Dan Dockich, yeah. 70 holes of golf in Vegas. Um, Chad, over, under, and how many hours sleep in Vegas for Dan? Uh, I'd say a, a solid three and a half hours a night. Uh, I know that he didn't, he didn't have any last night because he didn't get in until 4 a.m. flying in. So uh, I can't sleep on a plane. Guys, you, you can now go take a nap, Dan, if, if you're so inclined. Guys, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I go hard all day on the golf. I go hard. And then I was in bed by 9 o'clock Friday night, Saturday night. I was. I was in bed by 9 o'clock. I got there Thursday Stayed up with my brother, you know, and but on uh, on Friday we started golfing at 10 a.m. Got off the course when it was pitch dark, and went hard. I learned about vodka and G2, which is my new favorite <laughs> thing to do in the heat. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're mixing the hydration and electrolytes with the booze. That's well a, that's a solid yeah. solid yeah. maneuver there. Yep. We'll have to try that out soon, Dan. You're yeah. the man. Oh, you always bring. It. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. There he is, Dan Dockich. Uh, doing that after a trip to Vegas, dedication. Jeff. Time for him to get horizontal. <laughs> Judging by the sound of his voice, and time for him to get horizontal. I think he's there now. Yep. There he is. Coming up, we are seeing uh, maybe a surprise trade coming up in the NFL and players requesting trades, including the best defensive player uh, in the defensive backfield for Arizona. Who could they replace him with? That's next on Hot Mike.
Chad Safety, Buda Baker in Arizona has requested a trade from what was a bad defense. He's got a little leverage because it's a bad defense. Bad team. Solid player. Uh, pro Bowl, All Proler, uh, Pro two, Bowler, and and just the two-time All Pro. The and the the consistency from him. Um, if they end up trading him, keep in mind Monty Austin Fort worked with the Tennessee Titans. Kevin Byard could be on the trade block based on the where there's smoke, there's fire offseason discussion. Keep that in mind for the draft if it's a part of the move up to number three potential. I'm not saying that definitely a part of that deal because you have to be willing to pay safety big money. But as far as contract extensions go, Buda Baker's wanting a big one and he's not happy there in Arizona. And I, I don't think this would be happening with him if Arizona wasn't projected to be one of the worst teams in the league this next year. Just my guess. That's probably part of it. You're right. He's got a little leverage right now, but this also appears to be a really bad team. Yeah. With hey, a new coach, a new GM. Yeah. Four-win season. He had 100 tackles, and he, he's about to go through it again. And the, the thought there would be, let's go to a contender. Yeah, it's, it's also – He's 20, what, seven – 28 years I, old, probably. I like it because in this request, he's just stating his intention of, <laughs> I, I'm really indifferent. I just want more money, and I don't necessarily want to be here, but you can pay me enough to want to be here. So I'm demanding a trade, but if you want to tear up my contract currently and give me a bigger contract, then I'd be willing to stay here. But if not, then trade me, which I found funny. It wasn't just a trade me because I want to go play for a contender. Yeah. It was, I'm also willing to tear this one up and you pay me more. It's a, you also have to find a team that's willing to invest that much in the defensive back sure. for the safety because he's going to get paid. I mean, you it's would, like investing in a running back, I and, think, offensively, yeah, right? I mean, it's I'm, not a spot you invest in He normally. still has two years left on the contract that was extended for him during the 2020 season. And that's part of the issue with uh, what's going on with Tennessee and Bayard is he's signed this big contract extension. He doesn't feel like, and I sit here and don't think that he's under, he hasn't played underneath that money and structure that they gave him. He earned it, and I think he's lived up to it. Baker's the same way in terms of a leader on and off the field, and both players are saying, hey, if you don't love this, make, it, make something happen. And the Titans, meanwhile, the report was they asked Fire to stick around but take a pay cut. Baker's certainly not doing that either. Yeah, I think with the Titans, it seems like they sort of appealed to the, hey, you're from here, you're a great hometown success story, help us out and take a pay cut Yeah, and try to appeal to a hometown discount maybe, sort of mindset. And he said, nope, and maybe with I'm the not GM, the problem here. They're, they're reshuffling how they're going to allocate money. Yeah. And it's not going to be at that position as much moving forward. But maybe Arizona still wants to invest the money, but they also don't want a disgruntled player there yeah could be a piece if they do in fact decide to trade out of pick number three because um they need a lot of help and they can get a great franchise player not quarterback but franchise player at three but for the most part they're set to capitalize either way they and and maybe in a massive way because san francisco when they made the trade to move up to miami spot at the third overall pick a couple of years ago for trey lance they swapped first round picks but they also gave up a 2022 first and third round pick and a 2023 first round pick. So they gave up two future first round picks and a third to move up from 12 to three. And if you're Arizona, you've got to make that deal. Yeah. 
If you're not drafting a quarterback, you make that deal. They need picks, period. Yeah, and the only way you make the trade up is if you're going after the QB. Extreme value for Arizona, and they, you're right. They need multiple first-round elite talent, and they can't get it with one defensive player. Coming up, we've got college football headlines, including Arch Manning, who's now officially the quarterback in waiting. That's next.